Come right on in. Come right on in. Great afternoon. Great evening. Great morning. Wherever you may be joining in live with us this evening or morning, where whatever it may be in your part of uh, the world. If you are catching us on replay, welcome to you to the welcome to the ones who are joining me in my private Facebook group. Broken Pieces to Peace, welcome, welcome, welcome to you and the ones who are joining me on my personal Facebook group, on the podcast, or any other social media uh, outlets. We want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to another episode of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This, where I have none other than my featured guest, Miss Rachel, the Lioness Woman, Russell. <laughs> hey, <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm well. Thank you very much for asking. Absolutely. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation to come. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and love, like, and share. Share, share this uh, link with as many people as possible, a minimum of 10. Let them know that we are here for episode number 26, the very first episode of the year. Oh, wow. We are in season. I'm so honored. Yes, honey. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I know that God is going to do some amazing things uh, through this interview. So it's such an honor and such a privilege to have you to join us for our very first episode of the year in Thank season, you. starting off season Okay. Yes. So where's my goal? My mission and my desire to share with the world the crisis or those traumas, right, that God has permitted in our lives. And then we are going to talk about those triggers and then uh, which are those defining moments, right, where God was getting our attention. And then those triumphs or those victories, right, where we uh, ex that we have experienced to above all glorify God and to help the millions of people who are out there waiting to hear this phenomenal story and to be healed by this phenomenal testimony. So ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored and so grateful to have none other than my featured guest today, Rachel. So welcome, welcome, welcome to you. And Thank you. to hear what I got going on. There we go. So I have none other than Rachel Russell. And Rachel started her entrepreneurial journey at the age of 16. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? 16 years old when her father allowed her to revamp and a branch of his organization, which saw of 500% growth. Come on now. <laughs> Who don't want to see a 500% growth in their business? That is amazing. During its launch of the first year and remained one of the company's top income generating services for five years that she remained with the company. Come on now. That's something right there. On venturing on her own, she founded Full Quiver Services, LTD Limited, 
in the island of, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, Trinidad and Tobago. Hey! In April 2008 and has set as the, yeah, and has set as a visionary on the board of directors spearheading the strategic direction of the company, leading it to being at the top of its industry for the last seven years. Wow, that is phenomenal right there. Since her migration to the U.S. in 2018, she graduated graduated from Christian International School of Theology in 2019 with a bachelor's degree in ministry. Uh, The family company whose mission is geared towards bringing families and communities together and the lioness woman's ministries and corporation whose mission is to help believers in Christ fulfill their God-given purpose through kingdom principles. Come on, y'all. That are designed to transition them to prosperity in body, soul, and spirit. So, my goodness, she has a phenomenal uh, uh, story. She has a phenomenal uh, bio. And I'm not going to steal any more of her thunder. And so, without further ado, thank you so much, Rachel. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you join us this evening. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me. It is an honor to be here. Yes, it who is. Who God like this? And I mean, who wouldn't serve a God like this? Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Who would serve a God like this? And so we have to uh, share our testimonies, right, with the people so that they can understand where, you know, you come from, from where we come from, right? And they see the glory, but they don't know the story. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, let's go ahead. Uh, First of all, before we get started, for those who are joining me in my private Facebook group, um, if you share your comments in the comment section, go ahead and give StreamYard permission to see your name. Okay, so therefore we'll know who's making comments in the comment section. And so, yes, with that being said, let's go ahead and get right into it. So, Rachel, what we know what your bio says, right? So share with my audience, what was that thing or those things, those traumatic things that happened to you in your life? So I I think the thing that may have had, not may have, would have had the most impact. um, And I'm still um, realizing how much of the impact it has would be my sexual abuse as a child um, definitely would have been that thing that would have had the most impact. Um, at five years old, I went through um, a season where there was sexual abuse within our church based on one of the young people that was there at that time. And then again, when I was 12, I had um, someone that was very close to the family, again, do this sexual abuse. And um, my personality type is one that's very task-oriented. Um, I'm also people-oriented. But people kind of come second with it. I, I really prefer the task. I tell people I'm 50% introvert, 50% extrovert, and I prefer my extroverted, my introverted side more than my extroverted side, right? Okay. <laughs> um, so um, I really am very task oriented and I'm really about accomplishing goals. So I've always mm-hmm. been like a highly 
productive person. I've always, you know, I've been a lioness and I didn't even realize I was a lioness, you know, because I've always been going hard after things and doing things and accomplishing things and, you know, setting certain records. Hey, that's a little Setting certain records at a pretty young age. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize how broken I was because of how disconnected I was from my emotions. And that's one of the things of sexual abuse victims that we, um, in order to be able to deal with sexual abuse, we kind of, um, the word isn't coming to my mind. I think it's defragment. Dr. Luchi, tell me the word, but it's a defragmentation, I think, of the mind where you're able to um, separate emotions and separate, you know, be, be able to compartmentalize in a particular way. And you go into these various little compartments to be able to deal with whatever trauma, whatever abuse is taking place to you. Mm. And so um, with that, as a child from a very young age, I was um, in this space of going into my own little world and into my own little fantasy place. So in my own little fantasy place, Bill Cosby and Claire, no, Bill um, Huxtable and Claire um, Huxtable were my parents in Matthew. that <laughs> And I lived in that little room and in that little box because for me, that was what I wanted to, to be and what I wanted my life to be like and a reflection of. Um, and so because I didn't understand what was taking place with me, there, of course, would have been all these different triggers that would have happened throughout life. Um, that I was not aware of because I didn't understand what took place when it is that trauma came. Um, and so while um, I may not have necessarily been a person, because um, there are people who are more emotive and so, you know, they wear their um, trauma on their sleeves and they, you know, as a quote, so you see it. There are others who go more into the task mode and more into the driving mode. And so mm -hmm. their thing comes with being productive and doing better than others and proving to everybody that, hey, we could do this despite what may have happened in my past. Yes, I will excel, but not realizing that there's this poison that's inside of you that's slowly, you know, killing you and you're not even realizing that it's slowly killing you because mm -hmm. you're not dealing with the issue that is at hand. So that would be my trauma or my traumas that would have taken place that Absolutely. would have definitely impacted my life in a significant way. Absolutely. Wow. So you said at um, the age of 12? Five and 12. Ooh, five. Okay. Can we go back to the five? Or the, okay. you said it happened in church? Yes. So the denomination that I was heading to at that time, I, um, based on what my mom says, so I tell child everybody's an adult, right? But I think he was like a teenager and, you know, probably it happened to him. And so mm -hmm. would have, abuse as abuse, um, abuse as abuse. So, exactly. um, oh, so I should say, no, the abused abuse. That's what I should say. Absolutely. So that, um, you know, he was a young guy who, really just didn't understand himself and understand what he was doing. So he did it to a couple of the girls that were in the church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he wasn't a, an adult. No, I think he was a teenager. I think he may have been like 16, 17. To me, he would have been an adult. Okay. Um, because, you know, I'm five. So everybody exactly. that's older than 14, 15 is an adult for me, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Based on some conversations with my mom, I believe he was a young guy at that time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So... I get it. Okay. So then, so you told your mom? I told my mom later on in life. So as an adult now, I told my mom. I didn't tell her. Okay. That. 
Okay. Because he told us he would have killed our parents if it is he said anything. And of course, you're five years old, you're impressionable, you know. So you would, you know, you felt that that would have happened. So no, my parents didn't know what happened to me at five, which is why I never dealt with the situation absolutely. as a young child. Absolutely. And then going again in when you were twelve. Yes. And was the person who did it, you said it was a family member? It was somebody close to the family. Okay. Okay. So how did you deal with that? And uh, did you, have you approached the person or how did you deal with that? Uh, so the one when I was 12, I think really, because, you know, being a teenager and transitioning into that stage is such a tender time. Um, you know, someone said it the other day and I, I, it's so bore witness with me. They were talking about, you know, when you're transitioning as a child, that five to six age group it's such a tender time it's the same thing with a teenager it's almost like it's like starting over again and you're having to build new foundations as you give them these foundations to now to now give them a city foundation for adulthood right mm-hmm. um and so um because of the time that it was i really did go into myself i started to dress very much like a boy so i wore really really baggy clothes because i had a lot of friends that were male i had a lot of male friends mm-hmm. i was one of the boys so I was cool with that. I was cool being seen as that. I didn't want to be seen as anything else. I didn't want to be seen as pretty. I didn't want any of those things. Um, my father and I relationship was really fragmented at that time um, because he spent most of his time out of the home rather than in. And so, you know, I got caught up with a boyfriend when I was 14. He was 18. Um, you know, and it was a mentally abusive, uh, sometimes, sometimes physical. I tell my counselor he was intense. She tells me, no, he was abusive. You need to say what he was. <laughs> say, look, <laughs> you have to approach that thing and say exactly what it is. Speak to that thing. I was like, well, he never slapped me. I mean, he choked me and held my hand. <laughs> and he never really slapped me. So he was not abusive. He was intense. That's what he was, right? Um, <laughs> no, he was abusive. <laughs> I'm on the side with you, counselor. No, no, but, no. Um, and then, and he was dealing with his stuff as well, um, and not knowing how to express it. So you have just broken people dealing with broken people, oh, and so um, with that, I then, you know, being in, with him and with his jealousy, like all my male friends, I cut off off. I cut off all my female friends because you know he would be jealous and. I couldn't talk to anybody and different things. So I really became very much of a recluse and very much of a loner during that time period, which of course would be compounded by um, the act that happened to me when I was 12 and me thinking that I'm not worthy and me thinking that, you know, I like, I like, obviously I'm just to be alone and obviously I'm just to be used and all of these things. So I had all those thought processes. And then I went to university um, when I was 18 and I entered into a lesbian relationship because I said, you know what? I'm done with men. Let me mm. start with women. That didn't mm. last three months though, because for me, I, I need, I'm sorry, I need men because people are people. People give oh, you crap all the time. <laughs> So I'm going to take it. If I'm going to take crap, I'm going to take it from a woman, right? No one, from a man. I prefer to take it from a man. So that didn't last very long. (laughs) And um, I then, but again, this is me searching for myself. This is me searching for love. This is me searching for affirmation because during those teenage years, they said for a father, it's so important during the teenage years to be an affirmation for your daughter. And because I didn't have that, and because I experienced that sexual abuse, um, 
I wasn't able to get that affirmation. So I was always searching and always looking for someone to affirm me and to be able to say, job well done, Rachel. I love you, Rachel. You're beautiful, Rachel. You're worthy, Rachel. To be able to say that because I never felt that and I never got that within my home and within my environment. Um, and so, you know, going through the time and going through the period, it really was um, very much me being highly productive in one hand and doing amazing things because, you know, God gave me these amazing talents as a young person and I was driven and I, I wanted to achieve things and I won awards and, you know, went to the university and did amazing things. But there was also this really broken person mm. who never really dealt with what that sexual abuse did and what it created in her. And I became so detached from my emotions. I, I wasn't even aware that there was this storm that was brewing in the background. Until one day I would just go into a mass depression or, you know, I would just, you know, go on a drink, drinking spree or I would run to marijuana and I would just smoke to be able to just numb this pain that I didn't even know was a pain, but I know that I needed to numb something inside of me. Yeah, so that's basically what it was like. Wow. Okay. So you said a, a mouthful. <laughs> so let's go back. Uh, and for for a teenage girl who has gotten molested or in a sexual abuse relationship or in an abusive relationship for that matter, or our young self, what would you do different or how would you handle that situation to come out of that sooner? Hmm. I don't know. I guess as a young person, I mean, as a, you know, I was a teenager, so there's not much, I guess maybe if I had to change anything from the past, I probably would have told my mom sooner. Um, and I think my mom would have ensured I got the help that I needed to get because my mom is very proactive like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think if I had to change anything, I would have, you know, confided in my mom, spoke to her, tell her what was taking place, um, and allow her to be a mother in the situation. I've always had this thing of, you know, trying to work it out by myself. Absolutely. Or, or talks to me about that all the time. You're very sure you don't work this out by yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, all acknowledge that. Him and He shall direct your path, right? That's what yeah. the scriptures. So, um, because I've always had this dependency on myself and working it out by myself, mm. you know, I, I just never relied on anyone or any person. I've always kept it within myself because, of course, I lived inside of my mind, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think if I maybe had to change something, I probably would have spoken to my mom about it and she would have definitely put things in place to get me the help that I needed and to be able to process the things. Um, and that's probably what I would have done a little different. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that and being uh, transparent. So with those uh, things that happened to you, and you said that it took you into a state of depression? Yes. So I suffered with depression for many years. You suffered and depression from that. And yes. so when I went to university, I remember I had a serious mental breakdown where I got committed into an institution for a night. Wow. Um, that was how bad the mental breakdown was. Um, so depression is something that really has 
plagued me for many years, even coming into Christianity and being, you know, preaching, ministering, doing all those sort of stuff. And then you go home after and you're just so depressed and crying. And mm -hmm. it was so bad that I was very much suicidal at different times in my life and different points in my life. So depression has been uh, something that has followed me for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. um, thank you, Jesus. No longer, but depression right. definitely has. He's been around and he's been a very dear friend mm -hmm. for a very long time. Mm -hmm. yes. So how did you, what were those things where uh, those triggers that you knew God was trying to get your attention? Or maybe you didn't know when the, tr the those alarms were going off and you knew that you could no longer go in that same direction that you were going. So because I grew up in church, or because I, say that again? I said in the path of destruction. Yeah, so because I grew up in church, I've always had a consciousness of God. Um, and then I'm very prophetic, um, which of course at that time I would not have known, but my grandmother was very prophetic. My mom is very prophetic, even though she wouldn't admit that. Wow. Um, but, and so I, I have a prophetic gift. So I would see things, um, demons used to hold me down in my dreams and in the night a lot. So I was very, very aware of the spiritual realm. Um, but for me, like, I just didn't want anything to do with God because of course my, um, my associations with church would be definitely from my sexual abuse as a child. Mm. Um, and so I remember I started to um, date my, hus my husband, my current husband, and Sean, and um, we were just having fun in the world. It was after my very intense relationship. And so it was light, it was fun. And I remember, um, we used to, like, I used to smoke weed a lot. Um, whenever I could get it, I used to smoke um, marijuana. Mm -hmm. And so I remember there was a night I had this dream and in the dream I died. Um, and I went to a place that I now know to be as paradise. And it was beautiful. Like, I mean, words can't describe how beautiful it was. It was beautiful. Um, and we got to stay around a little bit before we went into judgment. And so, you know, you you enjoyed it. You saw it. It was like, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was, it, there was so much peace. Like, I've never felt that in my whole life. And I remember being there for some time and seeing people getting judged. I started to think to myself, well, you know, at first you're like, well, I never... I never abused any child. I never murdered anyone. Because, of course, that's what we do, right? We start to go down the list of bad sins. Right, we right. We justify ourselves. But we never did this. So, of course, we're not exactly. going to judge. But as time came closer for my judgment, I realized just how wicked I was. Mm. And just how much I was against God. Because I was one of those persons who I would tell Christians who come in to speak to me about Jesus that Jesus was a white man God, that he enslaved blacks, <laughs> that, you know, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very anti-Christ. And I remember I had a friend, she got saved, we used to hang out in high school. And then I went off to college and she went off into another level um, with our schooling system in Trinidad. And I remember when she came and she told me she got saved. And I was like, girl, you're so pretty. Why would you? Why would you give your life to Jesus? You're too pretty to give your life to Jesus. I remember one day she was ministering to me and I said to her, I said, Jesus himself have to come down and speak to me once to get me, right? Yeah, I was one of those. So that's why I'm so passionate.
passionate for the Lord now because I was so <laughs> not passionate about him before. I'm like the the, the powerful, passionate. <laughs> wow. So now I'm in this dream and my time for judgment is coming. And all of these things are flashing before my eyes, right? And so how it was is that it was like to go into the judgment room, it was so like an escalator goes up. This one goes like flat, like how those um, escalators in Miami are, those yes. running in the airports. Yeah, the airports. Mm -hmm. And so you went into this place behind these like thick um, curtained room. And then if you came out and you had nothing on your feet, you could have jumped down and just continued in paradise. But if you, you know, and you had these big white casts on your feet, you couldn't come down. Of course, people who had these white casts on their feet, they were screaming, they were crying, they were begging, and they were going to wherever, which in my head is hell, right? Because that's one thing you know as an unbeliever, heaven and hell. <laughs> no so, in between. My time of judgment is coming. And I come up on this thing and I am weeping, like uncontrollably. I'm weeping and I'm crying because I know, Michelle, you're going to hell. Like you, like everything, like you just smoke weed. Like you are going to hell with this. And as I came in to the, um, to the room, this huge angel, huge angel stood before me, which I later understood to be the angel of mercy. Mm. Huge angel stood before me. And I fell to his feet and I was crying and weeping and I was begging, please, can I get another chance? Can I get another chance? And he, he, he knelt down and he lifted my head and he looked me straight in my eyes and he said, your time has not come, but know that your time will come. Wow. So of course I'm like, so that, that means I can go. <laughs> Am I <laughs> Does that mean I could go? All right. And then, so I left and I remember seeing a friend, like their aunt or something had what we call travel to, to the paradise in the spirit to find out if that the person had made it mm -hmm. and they didn't make it. And then I saw myself going back into this funeral. And amazingly, um, several years later, I had a friend who committed suicide and it was that person's funeral I was in. And the Lord reminded me of that dream beforehand. And he was like, do you remember I showed you this? You're supposed mm -hmm. to witness to this person in a particular way. Felt very guilty about that, but that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Um, so, of course, now I woke up, right? And naturally, people would think, oh, wow, this is a transmittive story. She's going to go to church the next day. I said that was some really bad weed that I smoked in there before. <laughs> like, I'm not smoking weed from yes. that person again. Let me tell you. The, the, I've never encountered drugs. I've never smoked weed a day in my life. I've <laughs> never done any of that. And the reason being is because there is some mental illness in uh, my family. Mm. And, and I've, uh oh, and I've seen, you know, what the negative effects of drugs and alcohol do to you. Mm. And I did, I never wanted anything or anybody for that matter to control me yeah, especially yeah. not a substance and i'm like oh no uh -uh. there is no way I, I, and that is that's probably would have happened to me 
you know, me start having hallucinations and <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. No, I no, no. My personality type was really like intense. So like if I'm in something, like we smoking, we be smoking weed horse. Like Ooh. everybody knew I was a person. Like if we drinking, like I bring in a like a, a gym bag of alcohol. Like we drinking, we drinking. If we smoking, we smoking. Like I was that person, right? So, so you're the extremist. Yeah, well, you know, if I'm, I'm passionate. I don't yeah. know about extremists, but yeah. if I'm going into something, I go into it. That's it. Like that's my my heart. So the next day now, I was like, we need to get some new weed. Like that, we can't be having dreams like that. But two days later, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, he um he said he was having damnation dreams. And he would just have this dream, he would be before the throne room of God, and then he would hear this voice saying, Go to hell. Thank you, Dr. Lucci. I am passionate. Thank That's you. Right. I'm not an extremist. I am passionate. So um with um him talking about the damnation dreams, he started to talk to me and said, you know, he's concerned about my soul. And he's a Catholic, right? Bless God for his warm fuzzy hat, right? But he's like, um, he's thinking for my soul, and so he wants me to come to church. And, you know, because he don't want him to go to hell. Because, of course, his tail was sinning with me. But he's not going to hell because he's a Catholic. But I'm going to hell because I'm a heathen, right? That's a conversation for a different day, right? We won't have that conversation right now. I'll have to bring you back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to church that Sunday with him. Which I was very confused about. Because it sits stand, Neil sits down. Like, I'm just like, what's going on here? He's sleeping. Half the church is sleeping. I don't know what they're preaching. It just didn't make sense to me. He was right? sleeping in church? Yes. And yes. he invited you to church. Yep, 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 yep. So I remember at the end of the, the hour, because it's not very long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I came from a denomination where we went to church from 9 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the evening. Right. So, you know, I don't even get the concept of one hour of church. Exactly, right? exactly. Just all day, you walk with lunch, family sit and eat together. Like, this is what I know church to be. Exactly. And I remember very specifically speaking to him, and I said, um, Sean, I hear you, but the Spirit of God is not there. Now, Vishen doesn't know, knows nothing about the Spirit of God. I don't know anything about that. But the words that came out of my mouth was, the Spirit of God is not in that place. Mm. And he was like, you don't have to jump up and scream in order to get the Spirit. And, you know, he went on a rant. And for me, it was not about jumping up and screaming. But sure. if it is, I'm not giving up partying. I'm not giving up weed. I'm not giving up drinking. To be standing, sitting, kneeling, standing, sitting, kneeling for one hour on a Sunday morning. For an hour. <laughs> it ain't worth it. If Christ died for that, but poor fella. <laughs> he, he didn't die for enough. <laughs> but oh, that can't be it, right? Oh, oh. So, I called my friend, the pretty friend, who I told oh. her, you're wasting your time being so pretty and giving your life to Jesus. I actually gave her a call and said, hey, I would like to go with, to church with you the following Sunday. And try your Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try. Let's try. Because the thing is, and I always tell people this, be the most saved person somebody knows. Always be the most saved person somebody knows. Because when mm-hmm. God begins to move, because the Bible says, some sow, others water, 
But the Holy Spirit that brings the increase. Come on now. Come but on. when the Holy Spirit begins to stir, what they then start to do is, well, who do I know actually behaves like a Christian? Yeah. Who do I know actually speaks about Jesus? Who do mm -hmm. I know actually lives this Christian life? And yeah. so when you're these most saved person, somebody knows when the Holy Spirit begins to move in them, they're going to call you because for them, you're the expert as it relates to this. Mm. And so I gave her a call and said, hey, are you going to church next Sunday? I would like to come with you. And she was silent for like a whole minute. And I was like, hello? And she told me at that moment, she was like, God, Rachel is asking to go to church. God, I don't want to say anything wrong. God, what do I say at this time? Because I don't want to turn it off, right? Because Rachel is anti-Christ. She doesn't even believe in Christ because Christ is a white man, God. And so she was like, of course, sure. And I was like, well, could you pick us up? Because I don't think we had a car at that time. She said, sure. So she came and gave us a right to church. And my thing was this, because I am, again, a person that's passionate. If we're doing something, we're doing it right. We're going right? in all we, need to, we need to do it right. So I told my husband, I was like, listen, and have fun while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know we have fun, but we're doing it. <laughs> so I told him, listen, we can't go to one church service. Like, let's give this thing a month. Let's go to the services every week. Let's hear what these people are saying. If after a month, it doesn't really work out for us, then no problem. We can just go back to our lives, right? Because no, nothing lost. But mm. let's take some time. Hear what they're saying hear what they're presenting so we can really make an informed decision about should we go to church and so we went to church with my friend very nice service the guy did a nice sound teaching on the stage made me think um and i like to think and process things my husband who said um definitely um who said hi Alison. um my husband who said um you don't have to jump and behave a particular way in church was jumping and dancing in the first service. And of course I'm watching him like, okay. Oh, you got the Holy, you got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay. Good thing we don't need to jump and dance in church. Oh, um, but we decided, you know what? This would be the place that we would go to every week. And mm. So we ended up going the next Sunday. Then we ended up going like Friday and Sunday. Because we really wanted to hear more and learn more. And so the last um, Friday service came. And I remember they made a um, call for people to come up if it is that you're broken, if it is that you're weary, if it is that you're ready, you know, to, to, to get the rest of going and different things like that. And so we went up because I thought it was a normal altar call. And it mm -hmm. ended up being that I started to say the sinner's prayer. And I was mm -hmm. really excited about that because that wasn't a call. It didn't tell me to come up to do a sinner's prayer. You told me if I was in a particular place to come up and you were supposed to lay hands on me and pray about that. I was supposed to say the sinner's prayer. So I was really pissed. Because, so that when I went to the back to talk to salvation counselor, I said, you Christians, this is how you trick people. And did you guys just baptize me? Was I just baptized outside there? And this is why you trick. And that's why Sunday is my last day for coming here. And I'm in this place. Like, I'm really pissed because I believe that I was tricked. And the reason why I was pissed is because I was supposed to go to a party later that night. So I couldn't be baptized and you go know, to a party. You know that was the enemy. Like you this. know that was the enemy. Working hard and heavy. <laughs> I was so pissed. And I remember going back home with um, my husband at that time, my boyfriend. He was my boyfriend then. 
And I was quarreling in the car. And I was like, I can't believe they tricked us like that, Sean. You know, why? And all of this. And he had the most serene face and presence because he really got saved. Mm. He really genuinely gave his life to God to that night. And he's like, wow. Rachel, I know you're upset, but I have so much peace. And so mm. I was like, up in myself and I was like, like that. And so we're going to see this thing out. And this church is never going to see me again. And so of course we went to church on Sunday and Sean is in this place and I'm all like angry. I just want to get through the service. And I remember um, uh, a teacher in church at that time called Beverly Elaine. She teached a word um, called Who Told You? And it was based on Genesis 3 when um, God called Adam and Adam said, well, you know, he was naked. And God said, well, who told you you were naked? Absolutely. And in the who told you, she started to ask us, well, who told you you were beautiful? Or who told you you weren't worthy of God's love? Mm. And who told you that Christ didn't die for you? And she started to ask certain questions. And it literally started to hit the very core of who I am. Wow. And I remember just sitting down in that space and just feeling the presence of God fall upon me. And this is somebody who is sexual abuse, who do not believe that they are worthy, who do not believe they are talented, who do not believe they are beautiful, who do not believe that a God in heaven would welcome them into his family, especially after she's been so passionate about speaking against his God. Mm. And I heard God said, well, who told you that I wouldn't accept you as my Come own? Come on now. Come on and now. So I just sat down in that space, 21 years old, wow. crying, couldn't move because the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong around me. Wow. And all I could have done at that time was to give up and say, you know what? This is beyond me. This wow. is this is all about you. And so that was the moment where I finally surrendered and said, you know what, God, you can have my life. What whatever it is, yeah. you can have my life for sure. Glory to God. Glory, Glory to God. Hallelujah. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? Who wouldn't serve a God like this? Come on people, now. When you see people praising, you don't know you where don't that know their praise story. came from. Absolutely. You don't know. You can't judge somebody jumping. You can't judge somebody doing things. And I mean, there are things that look funny on the internet and stuff and you may laugh, but you don't know what that person went through. Absolutely. To be able to break forth in praise like that. So Absolutely. mind your business and you continue praising God and leave that person to praise Absolutely. God for themselves Absolutely. because they know what they came through and Absolutely. they know their horror story that now turned into a story of victory. Because God came and intercepted them in their life and pulled them from the kingdom of darkness straight into the kingdom of light. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the whole purpose. Because you don't like, God knows the heart. Man look at, at the outward appearance. That's it. Right? And, but God looks at the heart. That's and it. only he knows your heart and what you have gone through. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, you don't know what a person has gone through. You don't know their story. That's it. That song, you don't know my story. Mm. You don't know the things that I've been through. Yes. Woo! What do you say? I can only imagine. Come on now. 
you 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 just you don't know you don't know people's uh pray you don't know the story behind the glory that's it you don't know the story behind the glory and that's why for me i guess i'm so sad when i see new believers of in christ coming to the church and you know, as a people, sometimes we could be so judgmental. We could start to throw stones. We could start to do certain things to turn people away from this God. And I mean, I have a whole lot of testimonies of how people, because I'm passionate by nature and I'm strong. And yes. so somebody like me, a strong woman in the church is an automatic Jezebel. Like that's it, Pastor branded Jezebel. <laughs> so, you know, there was a the lot. The devil of, is a liar. The devil is a liar. And a half, right? Um, and like, if it wasn't because I had an experience, I was telling you that, like, nobody's shaking my faith in God because I had an experience with God. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that girl who practiced lesbian relationships, that girl mm. who would be in such a dark place that she would want to commit suicide, mm. that girl who would be in sexual relations and you know, feeling ugly and disgusting, but feeling like I could only do this because this man is who's going to validate me. That that girl who didn't know who she was, that when she looked in the mirror, hated herself, hated how she looked, used to drink, used to smoke weed, used to do all these things to be able to numb out the pain that was there in the background. That God came to that girl and said, who told you I wouldn't love you? Absolutely. So I I didn't care what church folks said. Because exactly. you didn't save me. Exactly. You've never saved me. And exactly. you will never save me. Exactly. You but don't have a hell. Or, you don't have a heaven or hell. They don't have a heaven or hell to take you to. That's the whole point. And that's what I love about Jesus for the woman who was caught in adultery. Because he's like, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. Who, whoever was without sin, cast the first stone. And as a church, we are so quick to cast stones at people who are broken. Yes. And all broken people do are broken things. Because that's all they know how to do. Absolutely. That's why we who have the truth, the Bible says that um, the truth shall make you free. It Absolutely. will make you free. And so we who have the truth need to be able to say the truth so that these people who are broken can now come into this place of being free. And that's Absolutely. what we will can't receive from us. Because first of all, we are deceived. But we're so quick to take stones to throw it and say, well, you're a sinner. Forgetting that it's he who is without sin can now cast that zone. And all we could do is love. I remember the wonderful thing about that story that I love is after Jesus was writing on the ground, whatever he was writing at that point of time, he looked up and there was nobody else. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? Mm. He said, they're all God. And he said, well, I don't accuse you either. Jesus. And that's the place that we're supposed to be. We don't accuse you later. All we owe man is the love of God. Absolutely. And because of that friend who knew that I was crazy. I remember she told me once she invited me to church and I said, okay, I would come. And she said, I wore the shortest of skirts to come to church. And in my country, that's a no-no. In America, it's a little different. <laughs> but in my country, that's in a no-no. <laughs> we don't wear many skirts to church in my country. And she remember, I remember she said, when she saw me, she was like, Jesus. She's like, you know what, God? It doesn't matter. She's here. I never felt condemnation from her. So the mm. day that I was searching, mm. her love 
and me never feeling condemned by her caused me to go to her so mm -hmm. that I was being able to draw, be drawn nearer to Christ. And I always tell people, when it is you show up, then Christ could be lifted up and then Absolutely. men can now be drawn to him. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's what we have to do as Christians. Absolutely. Anyway, I would preach. I could preach all day. Girl, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And the beautiful thing about it is, as long as you keep all that traumatic stuff that you um, that happened to you inside, mm -hmm. if you had not decided to share what you've gone through, it would have continued to have you bound and in chains because that's what the plan of the enemy is, is to mm -hmm. keep you locked in that sinful place, in that lost place. Mm -hmm. But God, but God, but God, He said, "The truth, which say the truth shall, shall set you free." Absolutely, it. it's going to set you free. Those those chains that they will no longer hold you bound to your past, to 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 the destruction, to living in, in a life of darkness. Now coming into the marvelous light. That's it. Amen. And it's our duty. The, the word of God says in Revelations that we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the what? word of our testimony. Of our testimony. That's but, it. But overcome, that means that you have defeated the enemy. That's how we defeat the enemy. It's to share it with That's us it. so that they can, they can see what it looked like. That's it. That you don't have to stay there. That's it. You don't have to stay there. And God is always trying to get our attention. But it's whether or not you're listening. That's it. And, and I, have to, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say there, you know, a lot of people say, oh, why do you talk about your sexual abuse? Because there are people who are so bound by it. Absolutely. And because people don't talk about it, they don't realize, hey, there's a freedom that comes in this. Absolutely. And that freedom is in Christ. Absolutely. Like there's a freedom that has come. That I could talk about somebody and free somebody. That's it. Your That's testimony it. Can, is going to free somebody. That's it. Because it's so powerful, and we think that, oh, oh there's no way that shame that, that the enemy will have you feeling that, oh, there's no way nobody's going to accept me for who I am. Mm. Child, God. Closes eyes, he closes ears so that those who need to hear will hear. Those who don't need to hear, he will shut their ears. And then the ones who needs to be free, he will bring those. And those who will come shall come, and the rest will tarry. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are here for. So that we can shine the light on God's goodness and how he operates in our lives to bring us to a point to, did you see that transition yes. of the trauma yes. to the triumph? Yes. Yes. Come on, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Awesome God like that. He is such an amazing God. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? That's it. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? So this has been so awesome and so rich. 
so awesome and so rich. So thank you so much, Rachel, for coming. And thank you so much for being so transparent with your story. God is going to bless you in abundance. Amen. For, you know, allowing him to use you for his glory. And so I'm just so honored and so grateful to know you and, and have you as a sister in Christ and, and to come, you know, be a part of this journey and not be ashamed of your story and know that, you know, God allowed it to happen so that he can get the glory in That's your right. story. Amen. Because nobody else but God could have brought you out of that. Nobody. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful. I am so, I'm so grateful that uh, you allowed, uh, that you accepted the invitation to come and share Thank with you. Me. I thank you for the honor of being number one. Number one for 2020. <laughs> number one for 2022. Come on now. We'll remember it forever. And hey, you, God knew that you had to be the first one for 2022 mm-hmm. because it was so powerful. Your story is so powerful and I'm so grateful and honored to have you as my first guest yeah. on for 2022. It's such a blessing, such a blessing, such mm-hmm. a blessing, such a blessing. So with that being said, uh, I hate to even end it <laughs> because we could go on and on and on. So is there anything else that you want to share with our guests before we wrap up and I go into the three last questions. Okay. Um not I mean at the end of the day, God wants us to show up. That's my it is my mission in life to help believers in Christ um fulfill their God given purpose. And I do this by teaching you kingdom principles that were designed to transition you to prosperity in your body, soul and spirit, right? Because the Bible says the, what Jesus said, the thief comes except but to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly. And I always tell people, if your greatest hope is going into heaven, it means that your greatest hope is in death. And that's not what Jesus came for. He came to give us life. Amen. And he gave us that life abundantly. Amen. And so it's really just my mission here upon the earth to allow or to show people how to live an abundant life. And abundant life is not what the world portrays as success because we see all these famous stars who commit suicide, or mm-hmm. who are addicted to drugs, or who have all of these different things, right? Which shows there's deficiency and a lack of prosperity in various areas of who they are, whether it's in body, soul, and spirit. And mm-hmm. so it's just my joy now to be able to help people to accomplish that abundant life in those three different realms. And it's my encouragement to anybody who's listening now, you know, seek God. The Bible says, seek ye for the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things now will be added to you. And so things like what to eat, what to wear, you know, things like whatever dreams you have, your house, your car, whatever it is that you're asking God for, seek him first. Seek the righteousness of his kingdom first. And when it is you're able to do that, when you're able to show up in your authenticity of who he created you to be here upon the earth and now become a blessing here upon the earth, Mm-hmm. Then all these things that you want and all these things that you're craving for and all these things that you you think that you need in this life, those things will be added. I remember once I had a vision and I'll close with this. And I remember I was talking to Jesus and he was telling me about my mission that I needed to do. And we were in heaven and we were in the deserts of heaven. So beautiful. I've been in heaven in my um, dreams and, and visions a lot. 
Mm. And I remember we were in the deserts of heaven, and I, I was talking to him. I'm saying, but what you're saying is impossible. I was feeling like Moses, like, dude, this is like way bigger than me. Like, I'm, I'm like a little girl from Trinidad. Like, no, people don't even know where Trinidad is, you know. And I remember Jesus took this cup, and he he dipped it in his sand. And when his sand came up, it was pure gold, a little cup, not a big cup. And he said, if I give this to you right now, you become the richest woman on earth. He says, that which you value on earth is sand in heaven. Mm. It's pavement, it's road. We have to understand that we serve a limitless God. Exactly. If he says in his word, in my father's house, in his house are many mansions. That's it. In his house. Imagine that. Think about your house right now. Having many mansions in your house. That's my house. I have one. That's the most exciting part. I tell <laughs> people my mansion in heaven has a water slide going from the master bedroom balcony Ooh. straight down to the pool. So you yeah. guys can come and visit. Just come by the door and you can get a slide on my water slide. Just want to put that. Yes, honey. I'm, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm just so continue to show up, people. God needs you to show up. And the yeah. people of God in this time and in this hour that we're in, we need to show up. Yeah. We need to show up because Christ has to be lifted up so that men can be drawn to him yeah. in this time and in this hour. Yeah. Say it, girl. Say it. Say it. And, and the beautiful thing about it is what Satan meant for bad. Yes. God always turns it around for his good. That's it. And if you allow him to. Amen. Amen. If you allow him to. And just look at the beautiful story. But just let him work and do what he does best in you. You can't do it by yourself. You, you can't fix what's broken by yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to, first of all, face that thing. Acknowledge it. That's it. So that you can heal from it and move forward. Because you, you can't heal anybody else. Until you get healed. That's it. You can only heal as far as you are healed. And so I am grateful again, Rachel, for having you to come on this. On this Wednesday. I mean, <laughs> this is good. This is really good. 2022 is going to be real good. It's a good got a great start. This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. So with that being said, uh, again, thank you so much You're for your transparency. So I always ask my guests three questions at the end. All right. Ooh. Should I be afraid? No. <laughs> okay. So the first question is, what are you most grateful for? Ooh, I'm grateful I'm for my salvation. salvation. I really am. Um, and I always tell people I'm grateful for my salvation because the Bible speaks about if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. So there's an instant salvation that comes. But then the Bible says we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. And there's an everyday working out of our salvation that takes place. And I tell people, I've seen the grace of God, not based on me getting saved and how bad I was, but I've seen the grace of God with how much he has loved me, even when I was working out that salvation yeah. and doing a whole lot of mess in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And his grace was still upon me. So 
So I'm very, very grateful for my salvation and for my relationship with God, for sure. Amen. Great answer. Great answer. Second question. So what is your definition of peace? Hmm. So interestingly, um, so we always quote that scripture about the Prince of Peace, right? Um, in Isaiah. I can never remember. I think it's Isaiah 55. I may be wrong. Um, but when it is, they spoke about that Prince of Peace, it was actually talking about war before. I mean, but don't realize in order for peace to come, chaos has to be expelled. And mm -hmm. so when it is um, the U.S. Army or any army goes in, in order to bring peace to a place, you have to have boots on the ground. You have mm -hmm. to be able to come into a place or be in a space of warfare in order for peace to come. That's mm -hmm. why Jesus says the kingdom of God suffered violence and it is the violence that will take it by force. Mm -hmm. Because that's when peace comes. When we are able to be violent, to expel the chaos that's around us, to mm. now allow the peace of God to come in. And so mm. for me, my definition of peace is when it is that you're able to expel the chaos that's around you. And so now that peace that surpasses all understanding, because we know the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When that peace is now able to come in and his kingdom is able to reign and an aspect of his kingdom is peace. So it means that the enemy no longer has access to your space, to your heart, and to your territory. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> the king, that the enemy, Satan, no longer has access. Access. To your space, to your heart, and to your territory. That's, that is a piece. That, that's a great definition of peace. But you have to war for it. And a lot of times we feel because we have this ooey gooey type of peace that the world does, this pseudo peace that the world does, yeah, we yeah. feel we need to do that ooey gooey thing, which is what we do a lot of times in worship services, people. But then when we come out, we're still tormented because we, yeah. we didn't go to war in order to be able to get that peace. Mm. But that's another conversation for another time. That's not for now. <laughs> she coming back, y'all. She coming back. Did you hear it too? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great answers. Great answers. All right. So the third and final question. What are some of the things that you do to maintain your sense of peace? Okay. So, you know, I have the um, private Facebook group, Broken Pieces to Peace. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to help our audience go from that, um, broken place to now living and moving forward into a life of peace, share with them some of your daily uh, routines that you do uh, that will help to bring them out of that broken piece. So out of the broken pieces now into moving forward and help them move into a life of peace so the thing is that um as i said before i tell people or teach people how to live an abundant life and i do this by teaching you principles that bring prosperity to your body soul and spirit so i tell people all the time that you're not going to be able to get into that place of balance or that place of peace if it is that you're not whole in your body whole mm -hmm. in your spirit or whole in your soul so for instance let's say um 
depression comes knocking on my door and I tell myself, well, what's going on with me? And I start to evaluate, what do you think am I doing with my body? And I start to look at what do you think I'm doing with my soul? What do you think I'm doing with my spirit? And most times I begin to see, hey, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do in this specific area, which is why the enemy now has access to me. And so um, I'll just give like three things that I do in each domain. One, definitely, if you do not have a meditation lifestyle, definitely do a meditation lifestyle. Meditation is not based on Eastern traditions of meditation, which is an emptying of your mind, which is not a good practice because when it is your empty your mind, something has to fill it, right? When mm. you empty yourself and you empty your body, something has to fill it. And so that's where that pseudo peace comes in. And people believe that they have peace, but really and truly it's a demon. I'm sorry to say, it. yes, yoga, mm. I'm talking to you, right? Wow. So wow. Um, practice meditation, which is the meditating of the word of God. And so just get a scripture verse and begin to meditate on it 10, 15 minutes, be in a place of silence and really take some time to ask questions and to meditate on this word. And then take about 10 to 15 minutes after to write what it is you sense based on your time of meditation. And that's mm. an excellent practice that you could do to build up spiritual health. For my soul health, one of the things that I practice is journaling. Um, there's a thing about brain dumping and about getting all your thoughts out on paper. And it really does things with your brain and builds certain serotons and endorphins and all of the other things that helps with our soul health. And so definitely journaling is something that I would do to help with that. And then of course, for my body, I definitely try to exercise um, at least four to five times a week. Um, and I, I eat a healthy diet. We don't know how much um, our foods affect our moods, um, how much a lack of exercise um, affects us having that peace when our bodies are not operating in a particular way. And I tell people, your body is what connects you to earth, right? Because if you don't have your body, then you have to leave earth. Our bodies give us authority here on earth, which is why we need to take care of it. Because this is where we have authority. We have authority in heaven. We have, and everybody wants to go to heaven, but you have no authority there. That's 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 God's domain. Where you have authority is here upon earth. Where God wants to use you is here upon earth. And so we now have an obligation to our bodies to keep our bodies and to make sure that we are able to extend life as far as we can um, by taking care of our bodies. And most importantly, it is a reflection. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit here upon earth. And so we have an obligation to Him now that we are His temple to take care of it as well. So. Three things with your spirit, definitely meditate on the word of God. Um, Joshua 1, 8 says, and in meditating upon this word, that's now when you would get success and that's now when you would walk in a place of prosperity. For your soul, definitely do some journaling. Um, mm -hmm. Exercise your, your mind, your brain muscles, build up good um, hormones within you with journaling. And then for your body, your physical health, definitely engage in some type of exercise regime um, that's going to build up endorphins as well and take care of this physical body that God has given you to re-inherit it. Amen. Amen. That is phenomenal. That, that was good. So you touched on mind, body, and spirit. That meditation. Yes, 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 that was great. Great questions. Great answers. Great answers. Great answers. Couldn't say it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'll laughs> Well, I'm telling you, this has been such a rich conversation Amen. and it's such a blessing, such an honor uh, to, again, have you come and share, be transparent, uh, all for the glory of God. Amen. And I'm so uh, grateful for what God is doing in your life 
and so excited for the future, what he has in store for you for 2022 and beyond. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing because you're walking it out. You're walking it out and not held in bondage. And, you know, God can't be any more than anything other than pleased. And so, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing this time with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. It's been such a blessing. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another episode for uh, Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? And I highly recommend that you meet us back here in the morning where we read the entire Bible in 365 days. You got to get that uh, spiritual foundation. You got to get that word and eat on it. You got to be, you got to have some meat in your life and have a relationship with God. And the only way that you will get a relationship with God is through his word. And if you want to get to know somebody, spend time with them. Right. And so make a commitment if you haven't done so already in 2022 to read God's word for yourself. Read the whole Bible. Come and join us on that journey of reading the entire Bible in 365 days. Okay, we would love to have you. And if you uh, if you miss live at which is 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, in the morning, every day, seven days a week, we're going through the entire Bible. And then meet us back here for another episode next week for Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? So I look forward to seeing you all. We speak blessings of peace, prosperity, good health, love, joy, and happiness to each and every one of you and to your families. Thank you again so much for tuning in. It's been such a blessing and an honor to share this time with you. Have a great night. Bye, everyone.